Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 251 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Sarah Harris. Sarah lives in Swindon, England, and Monday through Thursday, she is a data scientist And then Friday through Sunday, she paints murals. Welcome, Sarah. Hi there. It's lovely to be here. You know, as a teacher in me is thinking, you are just a very balanced left brain, right brain kind of a person, right? That's why I like it. Yeah. I mean, you're like my two children blended into one. You know, Cal (laughs) is the data scientist, computer programmer kind of guy. And then there's Will, my artist. So you're like, you're perfectly balanced. I love that. 
I know I should be a Gemini, but I'm not. <laughs> oh, that would be even funnier. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really lovely to talk to you today. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, I'll get to this later. Like, like a lot of people that you talk to, I've struggled with my weight my whole life, my whole adult life. But I actually came to fasting. It was nothing to do with weight loss. When I first heard about it, I didn't even realize it was a weight loss technique. So for me, I heard about it as a cancer thing. Okay. So yeah, so so timing wise, it was Boxing Day 2018. Do you call it Boxing Day the day after Christmas? We do not call oh, it Boxing Day. Boxing and I day. always have wondered, is it because you're like boxing stuff up? What's Why is it no. called Boxing Day? It's called Boxing Day because it used to be the day that the tradesmen would come around for their Christmas treat because they're all working on Christmas Day, like you know, serving the, uh, okay. the rich families. So they had the second day off instead, and they would be given a little box of nice stuff by the rich families. Oh, well, that makes a lot more sense than what I had made up in my mind. I've always wondered, I'm like, are they boxing stuff up after Christmas? <laughs> but okay, so the, the servant class the servant got The servant class got their day off, yeah. And we still give like a boxing day tip to like, you know, the guys that come and pick up the rubbish and sort of anybody sort of, you know, you give boxing day tips to anybody in, in a sort of a, a servant role, which is an awful thing to say. Well, but we all yeah. have people that work for other for, exactly. for us in yeah. different ways, so public right? Public servants, I guess, is the best way of putting it. You know, we'll give them a boxing like day your tip, hairdresser. So I, and yeah, your, yeah. So yeah. I always leave like a little envelope out for the bin men on Boxing Day with some some money or some chocolates or something, you know, a little treat for well, them and I'm stuff. I'm glad like that. to know that. So it was Boxing yeah. Day. Did you yeah. say it was boxing 2018? Day, 2018. Yeah, that's when I found the lump in my boob. And so obviously I was a bit worried. So the next morning I was at the doctors and they were worried as well. I think by New Year's Day, I'd seen a specialist. They'd confirmed I had sort of th grade three breast cancer. I was already booked in for chemotherapy and radiation. So it was a huge whirlwind. So in about wow. six days, I'd gone from blissful ignorance to oh my goodness, I've got cancer and we need to get it sorted really quickly. Your whole world changed in six days. Gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. New yeah. year, new life. Exactly, and it was not what yeah. you were hoping for. It wasn't quite what I was after. No. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I had surgery to remove the tumor in the January, so January 2019, and I was booked in to start four and a half months of chemotherapy from like mid-February. And so I I was really worried about the chemo, like people always are. I mean, it is horrible. You never hear anybody saying, I had chemo and it was fun. So, right. Um, it's not designed to feel good, right? Exactly. Because it, it, yeah. it, it destroys healthy cells along exactly, with the cancer yeah. cells. It's poison, really. But I was really worried about the nausea and the sickness because I'm one of those people who has like almost a phobia of feeling sick. Like I, I barely ever touch alcohol because I'm terrified of the sick feeling I might get if I have too much and stuff. And so I was really nervous about that. So I started reading up everything I could about things you could do to help tolerate chemotherapy better. Because I, I, I just like thought, I oh, can't bear the thought of you know, feeling like I want to throw up all the time. So right. I came across the research of Dr. Volta Longo, who I know you're familiar with. Exactly. Yeah, he's the guy who's done a lot of research and started with cancer research and has led him to his fasting mimicking diet. That's right. Yeah. So yes, he's from California. Well, he's not from California. I think he's from Italy. But yeah, he I lives think he in, is yes. Italian. Yeah yeah. 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 I didn't read the bit about the fasting mimicking stuff, but I did come across his recommendations for, as I say, how to tolerate chemo better. And his 
recommendation. So the way chemotherapy works, you probably know, but just in case anybody's listening, uh, or at least the regimen that I was on, is you have cycles. So every three weeks you go in, you have an infusion that takes around four or five hours, and they put all sorts of nasty chemicals in your body. And then you basically feel incredibly rough for three weeks. And then you come back and do it all over again. So uh. I had six of those cycles. And his recommendation was to fast completely for three days each cycle. So the day before your infusion, the day of your treatment and the day after. Just a water fast. So nothing else. And I read up a lot of, you know, testimonials from people who'd done this and they were all absolutely raving about it, saying that they sailed through chemo, they didn't lose any hair, they never felt sick, they had loads of energy and they saw everybody else really struggling with it. And But for somebody like me, who'd never gone more than probably two or three waking hours without a snack, yeah. the thought of not eating for three days, I just couldn't even fathom how it was even possible. Right. And so I really wanted to try it because... As I say, it sounded great, but I couldn't even bring myself to even try it. Just the thought of it was terrifying, let alone, you know, doing it. So the fact that you've said that, that is actually what led him to develop the fasting mimicking diet. Yes, I think it was. Exactly. Yep. Because I I read what he wrote about that. And it was exactly what you just said. The idea of doing a complete fast seemed too daunting. And he also thought that medical professionals would not be so willing to adopt something so drastic as a full, you know, three-day fast with every chemo cycle. So he said, how can we mimic that state so that people will be more likely to do it? And that's how he developed the fasting mimicking diet was to make it more palatable, as it were, for people who were scared of the full fast. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if I'd have, I don't think I actually came across that when I was doing my research. Otherwise, I might have tried it. But all I read was just him saying, just drink water for three days, you know. And so I thought, I'll do my first cycle. If I feel absolutely terrible, maybe I'll try it on the second cycle. On my first cycle, not only do they give you the medicine, they give you steroids as well. And that obviously makes you even more hungry. So I was even more ravenous than usual during my first cycle. So that was it. Then I thought, well, there's no way I could not eat for three days if they're giving me medicine that's making me even more hungry. So yeah, so I I didn't do it despite all the, you know, the glowing reviews and testimonials. But that was the first time I ever really heard about fasting. I'm not religious, so I've never really come across anybody who abstains from food, really. So I guess that's what sort of, you know, planted the seed. It planted the seed of fasting. But you were thinking of it as only something that you would do as an adjunct to chemo. And it even then sounded very extreme. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, so yeah, fast forward to the end of chemo. So I did my four and a half months. In that time, I put on three stone. So that's about 45 pounds. Wow. So that was impressive weight gain, even for me. And I can put on weight like a champion. Yeah. So I think because of the steroids and also when you have chemo, it messes with your taste buds. And so like nothing tasted right. I actually really like vegetables. I always have. Even when I was overweight, my meals were always pretty healthy. It was all the chocolate in between the meals that was the problem. But, you know, I've always loved vegetables and fruit and, you know, healthy, nutritious food. But everything tasted disgusting. I couldn't find a vegetable that I could still tolerate. I couldn't even drink orange juice. It tasted wrong. Everything tasted wrong. The only thing that I could eat during chemo was really strong cheese. 
that was the only thing that tasted like it should taste. So I pretty much lived on like really strong cheddar toasties and jacket potatoes covered in cheese. And so, so it's, it's no surprise that I put on a load of weight because I was ravenous for the steroids and all I could eat was cheese. So, well, yeah. you know, it's, it's really true. <laughs> the only time I ever had weird sense of things taste not tasting right was when I had COVID in the fall of 2021. And you're right. When you're searching for something, because you got our taste is so tied into our satiety. If it doesn't taste satisfying, you keep going till you find something that does. So I get it. It's hard. Anyone who's still struggling like with post COVID taste loss. Well, uh, it could last for months, can't yeah, it? Yeah. Or I even know. longer, I've heard for some people. I was terrified of that when COVID first came around. It sounds really silly. I should have been scared of dying, but I was scared of losing my taste. Well, you had been there and you knew how miserable that <laughs> exactly, was. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't think people realize until it happens how horrible it is. And it really is the weirdest thing. I had some, what is it, Vicks Vapo rub. Do y'all have that over there? It's like whatever that menthol, whatever menthol, I don't know. But I couldn't, it was like, I was smelling it. It was nothing. It was like, I know what this smells like. And so every day I would try to smell it. And the day that I could smell it again, I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't exactly. last long. I only lost it for like a few days in the middle, but it came right back. But yeah, that was a struggle. So you were eating cheese and, and starchy things, basically. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, I haven't had a jacket potato since and I oh, used no. to love them because that became my <laughs> cancer food. So oh. I've gone right off them. So yeah, so I put on all this weight. So once I'd finished chemotherapy and I was able to sort of exercise again and my taste came back, the most important thing, I thought, okay, I need to lose this weight. But I still hadn't twigged that fasting was a thing you could do to lose weight. Because to me, it was still that chemo thing. So I lost the weight, you know, the way that I knew, which was calorie counting and hitting the gym like a demon, you know. So, and, you know, it worked. I'm really good at losing weight. I've always been great. It's keeping it off, I can't do. But losing weight, I've always been good at. So, yeah, I lost that sort of, you know, 45 pounds that I put on by, I think it was around the spring of 2020. So just as the pandemic was hotting up, that's when I sort of got down to, the weight that I had been before the cancer. And that's around 13 stone, which is, I wrote this down for you guys, about 180 pounds. Okay. Yes. We don't um, know. We're like, I don't know yeah. what a stone is. Yeah. So that's around 180 pounds. <laughs> okay. So that's still overweight at right. my height. I'm five how, foot six. How, five, six. Okay. In fact, I think it's probably obese at my height, but that has always, since my twenties, really 13 stones always been my low weight. That's the weight I used to get down to and I could never get below it. And I've veered between sort of 180 pounds at the low end and 250 pounds at the high end countless times over the last sort of 30 odd years. I really have lost count of how many times. So that would have been so close size wise. I sort of went from a, a UK size 14, which is a US 10, I think, up to about a UK 24, which is a US 20. So I did that roller coaster over and over and over for years. So you had like all the clothes put away, didn't you? Like bins of them? I had them all, yeah. Me too. I had plastic bins and they were, it's so funny. I don't have those anymore. I got rid of the bins themselves, but they actually were labeled like too small summer clothes, too big summer clothes, too small winter clothes, too big winter clothes. And every season I got out all the bins from the attic. Like literally I'd go up there, schlep up those attic stairs, 
bring them down, spread everything out, try things on, see what fit. Was it the 14, 16s or was I in the eights? I mean, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I don't have any more bins of clothes that I'm going to get into one day or that I have to wear. I've got it's rid gone. of all mine as well. It's lovely. It's such a it? good feeling. I've yes, got so much space in the attic now. <laughs> yeah, I got zero clothes stored away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I even got rid of all my old clothes and just bought all new ones. Once I knew that I was staying here, I just went crazy buying clothes, whereas I'd never really enjoyed buying clothes because even if I found something nice, I didn't know how long I'd be in it. Yeah. You didn't want to spend money on it. And the, no, exactly. I remember losing weight and being at a size that felt good and over the years with my yo-yoing and saying, I'm going to buy this really expensive, beautiful thing. It will inspire me to stay at this weight. Lies. Yeah, no, it doesn't it did work, not. does it? It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> no. But I actually, funny story, had just cleared out. I just decided I was never going to lose the weight. This was in 2014, early on. I was like, I'm never going to lose the weight. I'm just going to get rid of all these clothes that are mocking me, that are too small. I'm just going to embrace this as who I am. Got rid of everything. And then a few months later, bam, you know, and then here I am. But I, I'm telling myself it was okay because those things were probably so out of style. Yeah, yeah, that's There fine. you go. Yeah. <laughs> we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. So yeah, so I lost the weight. I got down to my what is normally my low weight. And as I say, the, the thing I've never been able to do is maintain it. Like over the years, I've been to all the diet clubs. I know other British people have mentioned Slimming World to you. I'd done Slimming World. I'd done Weight Watchers. I'd done just calorie counting on my own. And I've always been, as I say, I've been a champ at losing weight. Like at the club, I used to be the one that won all the stickers and the certificates. I was the smug one that lost weight every week without fail, you know. Yeah. 
but I could never, ever, ever keep it off because all those diets are the same in as much as all the maintenance plan is, is they give you a few more calories or a few more points or a few more sins for slimming uh, worlds. I, I, no, that just, that cracks me up. S-Y-N. S-Y-N, S-Y-N yeah. yeah they, I just hate that word because it's horrible, isn't eating it? is not a sin. It's horrible. I know. They say, oh, no, no, it's nothing to do with that sort of sin. It's short for synergy or something. They've, they've made up some justification for calling it that. It's like but, the yeah. word, it's going to like imprint diet brain Absolutely. thoughts in your head. Absolutely. I'm sinning. That's the, <laughs> anyway, I just. No, no, it is. It's horrible. And so you would, you get to maintenance and you wouldn't have the sort of the, the rush of getting on the scales and seeing a loss and everybody applauding. You know, I used to love it when I get a round of applause because I'd lost so much weight. So you didn't get that anymore because obviously you weren't losing weight anymore. But you were still basically doing the same diet. So you still felt really deprived and it's just miserable. So I love losing weight because I love the, as I say, the sort of like the adrenaline rush of seeing the weight drop off. But once you get there, there's there's nothing to keep you there. And then you sort of realize oh, I'm still eating these same horrible low calorie foods and like, this uh, is crap yeah it, it really is <laughs> so like over the years the longest I ever stayed at that 13 stone low weight was around three six months tops that's the most I could ever maintain it and so I was never really scared of putting on weight because I knew that I could lose it again because I know that I could lose weight but what I was scared of was that I couldn't keep it off and I knew that I couldn't keep it off because I'd never had been able to and so that's when Fasting came back into the picture because remember I said I started my chemo February 2019. Now at that time on a sort of like a a message board, I sort of started chatting to a number of other ladies who were all starting chemo for breast cancer the same month as me. And we all got into a little chat group, like a messenger chat group to support each other through chemo. And we've been chatting pretty much every day ever since. And I don't know what I'd do without them, really. I love that. I love that you found your tribe, that you went through it together. That makes support is is key. Because nobody else really understands it unless they're going through the same thing. And it was nice that we all, not nice, but, you know, it's good that we're all going through exactly the same stages at the same time. And so one of the ladies in there, she had actually tried the Voltalongo thing, I think one or two cycles, like the full fast. She's much braver than me. She's really into her yoga and cold showers. And (laughs) she's quite good at doing difficult things, better than I am. And so she'd started toying with intermittent fasting to lose a little bit of weight that she'd put on during chemo. She was doing like a a 16-8. I don't think she was doing it at all at weekends. So she was doing it a bit half-heartedly, but she was still seeing some results. And so she mentioned it. That was the first time the light bulb went off in my head. It's like, oh, this fasting thing, A, you don't have to do three days in a row. You could just do yeah, 16 hours. That sounds a little bit more achievable. But also it's something that she said that she'd read that it was really good for maintenance. And so I was like, well, that's what I need. I need maintenance. I don't I know how to lose weight, but I can't maintain it. So I thought, okay, let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. So I did. So that would have been around the summer of 2020, I suppose. June, June 2020. I I started with a 16-8. I had no intention of fasting any longer than 16 hours because that sounded horrendous already. So I thought, I'll try 16-8, see how it goes. And I think by about six weeks later, I was on a 24 and just like loving it. And I failed dismally at maintaining my 13 stone because I lost another three. So I lost another 
<laughs> well, that'd be about another £40. Pounds. So Wow. So I'm now at around £140 pounds, and I've maintained that without even trying for the last 18 months. That it's is just, just like remarkable. Life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. And you just said that so matter-of-factly like, yeah, I just started and then I lost 40 pounds and I've maintained it for 18 I know. months. I was just like, bam. But that's kind of how it was. It was just like I wasn't even trying. I was trying to maintain at 180. Right. I wasn't trying to lose any more. But I mean, I wasn't complaining, but it was really, really strange because I hadn't been below 180 pounds since I was 21, 22. Wow. And like you had dieted and now. dieted and dieted and could yeah. never get below 180. Exactly. Ever. Never. I just assumed that that was my set point. And, you know, I felt well at that size and I looked okay. So I'd never, I was, you know, I wasn't really bothered Those were that your I couldn't get skinnier smaller. clothes. Those exactly, were your, yeah. yeah. Your gold clothes. I was one of these people who'd look at what I should be on the BMI and say, well, this proves that BMI is rubbish because I couldn't possibly get down to that weight. You know, like yeah. sort of, I yeah. just didn't think it was even possible. But I am. I've been a healthy BMI now for the last 18 months. It's just, I honestly can't believe it. I really can't believe it. Even my, my son earlier, he's 20. I told him that I was coming on to talk to you. I love and it. he's like, why don't they just teach us intermittent fasting? Why don't they teach it to everybody in school? Because it's just like, he said, look how healthy you are now. And like, because our doctors over here, if you're overweight, they'll prescribe you a membership for Slimming World. Oh my Lord. So instead of paying your five pounds a week to go. And I said to him, that's so damaging because all slimming clubs are designed for you not to be able to maintain because they don't want you to be able to maintain because then you go away and that you stop giving them money. Well, that's exactly true. And they actually pay your, as a prescription, yeah. like you're in yeah, you the, the government, the insurance, because y'all are on national health care, right? Yeah. So yeah. you just get to go to Slimming World for free and the government gives Slimming World Pays money. It. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. okay, now that is a scam and a, and a half right Isn't there. it just? Isn't it just? Yes. So, yeah. so my son's like, why don't they just all give them a copy of that book you're always going on about, which is yours? <laughs> <laughs> he said it'd be cheaper than paying for them to go to Slimming World every week. I said, I know. And Slimming World gets you in that cycle of up and down and up and down, just like Weight Watchers and all of those. Yeah, and exactly. And, and you are 100% right that their business model is you will be back. Absolutely. This Absolutely. is not going to work. They all develop diets that you can lose weight on, so you think it works, but then you can't maintain it, so you'll be back. That's the business model. It is you a know, total scam. We were, were having a conversation in the community the other day. Someone, her son is a teenager and was wanting to lose some weight and wanted his mom to buy him some of the, like some kind of weight loss pill supplement, something that was on the shelf. And she's like, and what do I tell him? You know, he might not be old enough for fasting, you know? And I'm like, well, first of all, tell him that it doesn't come in a pill bottle. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the solution is not there. They, they're yeah. trying to just sell you something. But the same with the companies that just want to sell you and then have you come back. The true success is, that you don't need them. Yeah. All the marketing says that to lose weight, you have to do something difficult, expensive, or complicated, or all three. And that's why I think people always think there's a catch with intermittent fasting. People are always looking for the catch because it isn't difficult, complicated, or expensive. And people really do want to buy something to help oh, it yeah. because, you know, there's all the fasting products out there and people really do want to buy. They think it's like this magical you know, they need this or that to support the fast. I'm like, you don't. 
You don't need to buy anything. No, they, they just think it can't possibly be that easy. If you needed something, I'd sell it to you. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You don't, right? You just need a book or listen to it for free on an Audible trial or get it from your library. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Or if they befriend me, I'll end up buying it for them. I have bought so many copies of your book and given it to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say it is worth an investment in the community because just like you found community in those ladies that were going through the breast cancer treatment with you and you could talk about what you, ups and downs, the power of community. Like right now we're recording this in August. It's just barely August. And we have a, in our community, we have an August accountability thread daily where people are working on something. We're just supporting one another through it. And the community is, is something that's worth having. Definitely. I even have an August accountability goal and it's, I have tightened up my window because moving to the beach made my honesty pants tight. My honesty <laughs> scort, actually. It must be that damp sea air is, there it uh, is. is shrinking. It's swelling them. from the air. I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly what it is. We've had nothing but visitors nonstop since we've been here. And it's like every day feels like happy hour. So I got into my honesty scort. I zipped it up. It's like it's <laughs> but I was like, all but right. But it's complaining a little bit. Yeah. I would not <laughs> probably wear it out of the house. And so on my accountability goal for August is I am just back to basics, opening my window five o'clock. That's it. Five o'clock. Open my window at five. That's all I'm doing. And bam, there we go. But having that support is important even for me. No, it really is. Because I probably, if it hadn't been, I mean, it was back uh, you know, before your current community. So back when the Facebook groups were more active, when I was starting, yep. I might have given up at around week five or six if it hadn't have been for the community. Because I did that thing, you know, where you suddenly get really hungry again when yeah. your metabolic switch is flipping. And I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, oh, God, no, this is awful. I can't do this. I can't do this. And the, I think I put a post up and about 100 people told me, no, 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 you're just getting to the good bit. Exactly. And, you know, people, it hopefully will happen during the first 28 days, but it doesn't always. Sometimes it's week six or week eight that that happens. It's longer for me. Yeah, that definitely is true for a lot of people. It's good to just know this is normal. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, because I'd been sailing through thinking this is so easy, this is so easy. And then there were those two or three days where suddenly it was not easy at all. And uh, ever since then, yeah, truly effortless. I would not stop intermittent fasting if somebody paid me to do so. And even if I feel too, even if I put all the weight back on, you know, like it's not about weight. I feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly true for me as well. And I actually feel better when I wait till five. So it's not a hardship to wait, but you know, it feels better. And, you know, like I already feel a little less, you know, my waist feels a little more back to normal and (laughs) that's a good thing. I don't like feeling stuffed full of food. No, no, exactly. Long fasts do feel good. I mean, I did a little bit of like sort of ADF and I love the down day, but I I didn't like the up day. So I sort of didn't keep doing it. But yeah, the feeling of a long fast is is something special. Although my other half does notice I get a bit hyper. He's like, <laughs> can I see your timer? I said, why? He says, because I, I reckon it's gone over 24 hours. He says, because you're bouncing like Zebedee. <laughs> That's so funny. It's true though. The energy is great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had to tell you something that he said that I meant to mention. When I first started the 16-8, I told him I was going to give this a go. 
And his exact words were, 16 hours. I don't think I've ever seen you go 16 minutes without eating. Good oh, luck. <laughs> well, that was me. I always had something. And even if I wasn't eating, I was drinking that hot milkshake, right? Yeah. I had my, my latte and I would go get it every couple hours, get another one, but always something going in. Yeah, yeah, I had to. Like if we were going for like, say, a long walk or something, I had like virtually a buffet selection in my backpack because I'd be paranoid that I might get hungry when we weren't near a shop and I couldn't get food. And like, you know, when I got hungry, I had to eat that very second. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent because you were not fat adapted and, and it really is a hanger emergency. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt comforted just knowing I had food on me and then I didn't need it. But the thought of not having food with me may be quite anxious, which is silly. Or like having a snack so you wouldn't be hungry later. Yes, exactly. I feel like I might be hungry, so I'm going to go ahead and eat the snack later, so I'm not. We were really taught to be afraid of hunger, weren't we? Yeah, 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 definitely. Just like you were afraid of being nauseous, we were all afraid of being hungry. Although now, I don't get hungry until I open my window. I could happily go 24, 26 hours. I don't ever really nowadays. I can't remember the last time I felt hungry in the fast. But then once I open my window, that's it. I'm like sort of, I tend to only have about a three hour window nowadays because once I open my window, I, all I want to do is eat. Yeah. Appetite correction is a lot stronger for me after five when I wait till then. If I, if I open around two, then I have a snack and then I'm I can eat a whole lot more if I yes. open early versus when I eat at five, my body is like, that is enough. But you're right. I still have to start with a snack, even though I'm going to have dinner around seven when I open at five, I still have to have a snack because if I just have a few bites of something, like the other day, I was really, really busy and I didn't, I think I had something I was recording. And so I didn't open till like six while I was preparing dinner. Yeah. And I had a few bites while I was preparing the dinner just a few bites. That was it. And I'm like, well, we're getting ready to literally to eat the dinner in a few minutes. I'm not going to have a whole snack now. Then when we were time, it was time to sit down to dinner. Chad was like doing something in the yard. I'm like, I am ready. <laughs> Come on. I was starving. So I didn't even wait for him. I just started eating. He's like, you're not going to wait. I'm like, nope, be faster. Yep. <laughs> I was so hungry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once I'm ready to eat. Yeah. If I'd not eaten, I would have been better. We were at a uh, like a, a street art festival at the weekend, and because we were featured artists, we got a free dinner, which was lovely. And it smelled amazing. It was Sri Lankan street food. It was spectacular. It was like a, a curry with aubergine pickle and this lovely rice. I don't know what they cooked the rice in. It was delicious. But I could smell it wafting over where the woman was preparing it. And it said on the invite, food served at seven. So it's quarter past seven. I'm thinking, okay, where's my food? Where's my food? Because normally, as I say, I have an earlier window. <laughs> so I was ready by then. And I went up to her and said, sorry, uh, how long's the food going to be? And she said, about 10 minutes. And I went and sat back down. 10 minutes later, I went back and said, you said 10 minutes? She said, oh, yeah, sorry, the rice isn't ready. Another 10 minutes. And I went back and said, if she says 10 minutes to me one more time. <laughs> <laughs> but whereas if we're fasting, we're just like, no problem. I can go another three exactly. hours. Exactly. But I'd it already just, had my snack, you see. Yeah, so I was, I, I, was, yeah. I was on a roll. <laughs> you were ready. That's so funny. You told me about your early window before we started recording. So let's talk about that now. Okay. You said you started with 16 Eight, gravitated to 24 pretty quickly to 20 hours fasting, four hour window. What does that look like for you now? Well, as I say now, it has got earlier. But when I first started, because we were still working in the office in those days, right? I used to have an evening window because I used to uh, wait until I got home from work, basically. But 
now I'm pretty much 100% working from home. My windows just kind of drifted earlier and earlier, like naturally, and it just feels better at around sort of a lunchtime window. So I tend to have like a bowl of fruit or something around 11, 12. Then I'll, you know, have an hour off, get some more stuff done. And then I'll, I'll cook my dinner somewhere between one and two, really, and have a decent sized dinner and a dessert. I always have a dessert. I've got a huge sweet tooth. That's never going to go away. But, you know, it might just be a yogurt or something, or it might be something more substantial. In the winter, it'll be a sticky toffee pudding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all's food just sounds so good. Sticky toffee pudding. Just- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so snack, which is usually either a bowl of fruit or some sort of apple and cheese or something like that. Then a bit of a rest, then a huge meal. I don't skimp on my portions in my main meal. And it's always something cooked from scratch. As one of my non-scale victories is learning to cook properly. I love that. I think I heard one of your other guests saying something about how when you fast, food tastes so much better. And it really does. And that's made me want to put the effort in to cook better food because when I was eating all the time, so I was never hungry, it kind of didn't matter what I had for my dinner because I was barely tasting it anyway. You just needed something to go in there. Yeah. So I just buy like, you know, a ready meal from the shops or whatever and heat it up. And because I was vegetarian, my kids weren't. So I wasn't cooking for everybody most of the time. My kids mainly cook their own food because they like meat. And so I just get, yeah, like a sort of a heat up Weight Watchers horrible little meal or something if I was on a diet or a higher fat, horrible heat up meal if I wasn't on a diet, you know, but there wasn't any real enthusiasm around the dinner. I was much more about the snacks in between. Whereas now that I've discovered that my dinner, A, it's the only meal I'm having all day, so I want it to be spectacular, but also I can taste everything so much more now. And so I've really, really got into cooking to the extent the past couple of Christmases, all I've asked people for is like cooking gadgets and cooking utensils and new recipe books and stuff like that. And I think because you have more time, if you're only cooking one meal, you can spend more time on that one meal. That's exactly right. A hundred percent. I'm not looking for time saving. So my whole lunch break could be preparing and eating a, a really delicious meal. So yeah, I love cooking now. Yep, that's me exactly. My only time saving is, of course, the meal delivery kit because, but it's still real cooking. A lot of people don't always understand that. Like, oh, I get HelloFresh sometimes. I quite like them. Yeah, I don't get them every week, but I get them off and on. It's handy. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is. You are cooking. You start with like carrots. Like the other day, I started with, we had a meal and it was carrots, start with raw carrots. I peeled the carrots. I sliced the carrots. I roasted the carrots in olive oil and the chicken. I started with raw. All the ingredients are there, but it's real food and you're oh, cooking absolutely. them. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And good yeah. quality as well. I enjoy I, chopping the vegetables. Yeah. I put off trying HelloFresh for ages because I like picking my own ingredients. I'm quite sort of, you know, sort of nerdy about it. And I was worried that the quality of the ingredients wouldn't be up to scratch, but I've been really impressed with the ones I've had. I don't like going to the grocery store. I just don't. <laughs> That's just that I don't like planning what we're going to have. Because if, if it's up to me, we're going to have like spaghetti or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, learning to cook is great. So what are some of your favorite cooking gadgets? Oh, um, I mean, just things that 
I guess, you know, other people have been using for years, but because I wasn't really sort of, you know, just things like sort of, you know, the spiralizer for making sort of, you know, ribbons out of a courgette. I, I love that because that's fun to use. Courgette and, is what? Y'all oh, zucchini. Zucchini. Okay. Okay. I yeah. always forget. Courgette yeah. is zucchini. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get sometimes get mixed up between zucchini and eggplant. Eggplant uh, is aubergine. Aubergine, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. so. Which is like purple. Does it doesn't aubergine mean purple in something? I don't in some language. I'm not sure. I might have just made that up. Maybe courgette means green, and then, uh, I then don't it's know. easier to remember. <laughs> <laughs> but just things for like making sort of you know julienne sort of like strips from the carrots and stuff like that. I never had any of those because I I wasn't really putting that much effort into cooking or presentation. Whereas now I like my meal to look good, even though I'm still only cooking it for me. So it doesn't really matter, but. My dinner is a, is an event now, and I like that. Yeah, I need it to be on a nice plate Yeah, and to sit at the table. All of that is really important. So you do not eat at the same time as your husband. No, uh, we're not married. We don't even oh. live together. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, I've been with him 15 years. He lives about 40 miles away. We're both divorced. Neither of us were in, the, uh, in any hurry to get back into a domestic situation. <laughs> He's used to you eating when you want to eat and then you exactly, get together. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Although it's actually quite handy when we go away, he's never like breakfast ever. And when we used to go away, like hotel breakfast used to be the highlight of the trip for me. And so I'd always have a right go at him because like he'd come and sit with me and he'd maybe have a cup of coffee and sit there looking grumpy, waiting for me to eat my 17 croissants or whatever. And he'd never touch a bite of it. And I'm like, we've paid for that. Go and eat something. Go and eat something. He's like, I don't want to. I feel sick if I eat too early. And I used to think it was really odd. Whereas now, obviously, it works really well. If we go away now, I don't want to eat till lunchtime. He doesn't want to eat till lunchtime. So although he's not a faster as such... He kind of almost well, he is. is. He's yeah. naturally. Yeah. But he'll have coffee with milk yeah. or whatever, but he okay. won't ever eat before lunchtime. He'd happily not eat till three or four in the afternoon, but then he, he'll snack late. He's not. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget one of the maddest I was at Chad. The boys were maybe like 12 and 13, something around there. We actually came to Myrtle Beach, which is funny because now we're living here in the area. But we took a family trip over spring break to Myrtle Beach. And that was in my, I want to go out to eat breakfast. Yeah. We're here. We're on vacation. And it was the day we were going home. And I wanted to stop and have a full breakfast because Myrtle Beach is known for having amazing breakfast places with full breakfasts everywhere you turn. And like, I want to stop for breakfast. And he's like, no, let's just get on the road and get something on the way. And what's also funny about that is it's only three hours and 45 minutes from door to door. But like the fact that I had to have something anyway. Yeah. So different now. Now, you know, I can't imagine. But I was so mad that he was like, no, we're not going to stop for breakfast. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I used to get annoyed with Jason. Just because as I say, like sort of, you know, we were normally staying somewhere where the breakfast was great and included in the price so the fact that he wasn't eating it used to really annoy me we paid for that breakfast you're gonna force feed yourself <laughs> and so I'd feel awkward because I was sat there with the, you know my third plateful and he wasn't eating and so I'd feel self-conscious and so, so yeah that was a big uh, bone of contention in our relationship so intermittent fasting has helped with that <laughs> that's great and of course for him for Chad it was that he didn't want to spend money on one more breakfast right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and probably also, he was probably overly full knowing how, you know, now, now that, you know, I understand more, he probably was like, I don't need to eat again because we had been out to eat the night before. And 
and every other night and for lunch and for, because we were just eating, I was eating three meals a day. Yeah. I can't even imagine going on vacation and going out for breakfast and out for lunch and, and out for dinner. dinner. Yeah. Oh my I, gosh. I had a seven hour window the other day when we were at that festival I was telling you about because they gave us free lunch and they gave us free dinner. And so it ended up being about a seven hour window and I didn't have much in between, but that felt like sort of decadent almost. And I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It's so funny because you talked about at the beginning that 16.8 seemed like... extreme and there's no way you could do it forever and now you're like if you had to do 16 8 and have an eight hour window you just couldn't i couldn't either no i wouldn't like that no just today someone in the community was asking about you know give me all your vacation tips they're getting ready to go on vacation and i just want to explain you are not going to want to eat like you used to like people think they do they think back to the vacations where they were eating all those meals and they they don't want to miss out yeah but you do want to miss out because it doesn't feel good. Exactly. Yeah, we've been away a few times and I've just still had my four-hour window. The only thing you're missing out on is feeling terrible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of do – I'll still walk past the hotel breakfast and think it looks nice. I kind of miss breakfast foods because I very rarely have them nowadays. And I think that's the only thing that I do sort of miss is that you know the opportunity to eat a wider variety of foods throughout the day, I guess. Good brunch kind of places. I think brunch is something that seems to be just about sort of like becoming a bit trendy over here, but it tends to be more like boozy brunches, like bottomless brunches with Prosecco and stuff like that. But they seem to be quite trendy. But no, no, we don't really. It's like either cook breakfast or sort of buffet breakfast in hotels and stuff like that. Yeah. So we've got a really great place down here in Pauly's Island. Anybody who's traveling to the coast down here, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, there's a place in the Pauly's Island hammock shops that I remember going to with my grandmother when I was a little girl. They always had a Pauly's Island hammock, but it's a restaurant called Local, and they have brunch every day till maybe three o'clock or something. And so I like to go, especially when my friends are visiting, we'll go like at two o'clock. 
and have brunch at two o'clock. So I'm getting my brunchy foods, but still it's not like Best brunch both time. Worlds. It really, yeah. really is. Yeah. Because yeah, I do like the variety. I know when we used to go to Florida with the kids when they were little and we go to what, you know, those sort of like, you know, really cheap buffet places where the food Yuck, quality yes. is awful. We'd go for like a really late breakfast because then I knew that about 20 minutes in, they'd come out and swap the food over for the lunch food. And so by my logic then, I could have a wider variety of food because I could have the tail end of the breakfast offering and the start of the lunch offering. <laughs> okay, now that is hilarious. And it sounds like something I would have done. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just like to try a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, that's me. That's why when we would go on cruises, Back when we first started cruising, we always cruised Carnival because the children loved their programs. And I liked that we could get a lot of bang for our vacation buck. I loved vacationing on Carnival. They used to have sit-down breakfast every day. They stopped doing that. But it was sit-down full with waiter kind of breakfast. And they had full sit-down lunch in the dining room. And they had dinner in the dining room. And I was there for every meal because I wanted to try all the courses. I mean, I would have like a three-course breakfast and then a three-course lunch. I mean, what? (laughs) I wanted to try all the things, just like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm always worried that there'll be something that was amazing that I didn't the FOMO, fear of yeah, missing out, Exactly. Right? You will especially, because we didn't have buffet restaurants in Britain in those days. So I go back 20 years when I went to Florida. So just the concept of a buffet restaurant was amazing to me. It was just like, well, I can have a little bit of, you know, there's 90 different types of food and I can try all of them. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> and the, the sad part is it's rarely good. Oh, no, it was awful. But I didn't mind that. Well, we didn't realize it I was know, awful, I exactly, guess. Exactly, yeah. It didn't feel it, awful at the time. No, exactly. <laughs> it was just the excitement of being able to have so not even so much quantity because I was only having a tiny bit of each thing, but being able to try so much variety was really exciting for me. We do have a ton of those down here as well. A lot of those buffets everywhere you turn down here in Myrtle Beach. And that's the one kind of restaurant I have not been to yet, except last summer we went one time because my dad was here and he was like, I got to go to a crab leg buffet. So (laughs) we had to do that because it's like, you know, all you can eat crab legs. And I did enjoy that part of it, except that they don't have real butter. Right. Yeah. They've got that. Have you ever had that fake butter that they have with crab legs? You know what I'm talking about? No. Well, like margarine or? Well, whatever it is. I don't know. It's really, it's gross. Not good. (laughs) Next time I should bring my own butter. You know, I I might could do that. Like literally, I think I will. (laughs) Come in with a stick of butter. (laughs) Well, melt it ahead of time and bring in my own ram. Like I really think I'll probably do that. Bring my own butter. (laughs) There you go. Like, I literally just decided that is what I'm going to do. We're going to go to a crab leg buffet and I'm going to bring my own butter. (laughs) So if y'all are in a crab leg buffet in Myrtle Beach, you see someone with their own butter. That's me. (laughs) Love it. So you end up with, you know, a big meal in the middle of the day and you feel great. You close your window around two-ish and then you just feel great the rest of the day. You don't get hungry again later. No, I never get hungry again, which... Surprised me. That's why I started with an evening window because I assumed I would get hungry again before bed, but I don't. And I think I sleep better on an empty stomach. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about figuring out what feels good to you. Mm. Yeah. It's not what I would have thought would work for me, but it just kind of happened. Yeah. You know, I've told before, I think I mentioned it on the last episode, maybe that we did, I just recorded, but so people have probably heard this recently. But when I was home, retired, and figured, maybe I'll like shifting my window a little earlier and tried it out. It really started affecting my sleep. Yeah. 
And I was like, nope, I am a late window person. I really, really am. It is true being home. You know, a lot of people are like, it's a long time till, you know, five o'clock, but it just is a matter of what feels better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't they reckon that we've all got slightly different metabolisms depending on what our position was in the tribe and whether we were supposed to be the night watchman or the person who got up early and did the crops or something. Oh, no, like. I've never heard that, but I like it. Yeah, I read that there's like three different types of people and they were, because basically in the village, people were up 24 hours, you know, but like in sort of like shifts of eight hour shifts and people with different metabolism were doing a different shift. I have never, never heard it explained like that before, but that is really cool. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense that you would need people to have slightly different or very different circadian rhythms. So those night owl people were the ones that were supposed to be up. Yep. Guarding guarding the village. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, that now, you know, my waking at the crack of dawn doesn't seem so bad anymore. I was the one up early. Yeah, getting all the <laughs> food ready on. for everybody for later or Except whatever. Except that yeah. I don't like to eat till later. So I guess I was just busy. I was yeah. up and I was busy and then I was eating later and then I went to bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we listen to our bodies, our bodies really do tell us, don't they? Yeah, they do. So you mentioned that you used to, when you would lose weight before, you would exercise like, I think you said demon, exercise like a demon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you still do a lot of exercising? I still do quite a lot of walking, but that's all I do. I don't go to the gym anymore. I ended up having a bit of a knee problem after the cancer treatment because one of the medications I was on, it sort of loosens up your ligaments and I had a bit of a knee issue, which has now gone away, probably thanks to autophagy. And so I left the gym at that point. And although I could now go back, I don't really feel the need to. I walk a lot. I'm quite active anyway. The three days that I'm painting walls, I'm up and down ladders and burning off a lot of calories. Yeah, I don't really feel the need for formal exercise anymore. But yeah, I used to, at my height, I was driving around an hour, 20 minutes to get to work. I would get up at five, drive to the place, the town that I worked, go to the gym before work in the town where I worked. Then I'd go back to the gym and do a class at lunchtime. And then I'd go back and do weights in the evening before I drove home. I mean, that was like your your second job. You had like another job and it was exercising. And in the same way that I'd get hangry if I didn't have a snack, if like there was a day where I couldn't go to the gym because something unexpected change of plans, I'd be fuming. It was really addictive. You've Oh, okay. Because you liked the way it felt or was it because it was a little anxiety of like you needed it for the weight loss properties? I think maybe a bit of both. Okay. I think the sort of like the endorphins are sort of quite like, you know, sort of habit forming. But yeah, also, yeah, I knew that I couldn't lose weight from diet alone and I kind of needed to do both. I enjoyed the exercise, but yeah, I did get a little bit overly attached to it, I think. Well, it's good to let something go that is taking up so much of your time unless you truly love it. And if you did, you would still be doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So no, instead I just do a lot of walking. I go for a walk before work and another walk after work. If it's not one of the days where I get the steps in naturally, then I'll I'll just make sure that I do plenty of walking. I love to walk. My Fitbit loves me. Walking on the beach. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. better, nothing yeah. better than that. Although I am also enjoying as people are probably tired of hearing me talk about water aerobics now. But <laughs> oh, I, I used to enjoy that when I was at the gym. I'm we had loving it. I mean, I was probably about 45 when I was doing it, and I was the youngest person in the pool by about 20 years. It was me. great. I yeah. am the youngest in the pool know, by a good bit, and I'm 53 great, now. I know. So t- it made me feel so young. I loved it. Yeah, I do feel very, very young. And 
<laughs> in the pool. But <laughs> it just is such a good workout. Like I'm feeling yeah, it's really like my good muscles, like my arms are looking so muscular. Yeah, well, you get a lot of resistance from the water. You really, really do. And it's just, I love being in the water. Like I, I really love being in the water. When we, our house that we had in Augusta for so many years, we had a hot tub, like a, well, a jacuzzi bathtub. It was a jacuzzi bathtub on the deck which sounds weird, but it was an outside bathtub. But I would put my bathing suit on because we had boys and they didn't want to see that, right? So I would get into that water. And I would like in the summer when I was off work, I would read in the tub on the porch, just in the water for like like three hours. Oh, wow. Did you not go all wrinkly? <laughs> no. With it, if well, my I hands stay... were holding the book, I guess. Oh, so. right. Yeah. If I stay in the water too long, I go all wrinkly. <laughs> I just love to be in the water. I don't know. Something about that just feels really good. <laughs> so tell us about some of your other victories, like like health, for example. Has anything else changed with your health? Yeah. I mean, I used to be on uh, blood pressure medication. I had been probably for about 10 years when I started fasting. And the doctors had always told me that I'd be on it for the rest of my life. And within really quickly, actually, within a couple of months, my blood pressure had come down really low. And I went to the doctors and they took it and I said, I want to come off the medication. They're like, no, no, this is just a blip. You know, like sort of, you know, you've got to. So they gave me a blood pressure cuff and told me that I had to measure it every day twice a day actually for three months and note it all down in a little spreadsheet and then give it back to them to prove to them that I was really better and then they said yeah yeah you're fine you're cured no more pills so and it happened really quickly people who are on blood pressure medicine listen carefully you need to monitor that because it is very very true that your blood pressure may change for the better, just like yours did, Sarah. And you may feel bad because you're on too high of a dose for what your body now needs. I felt so, quite dizzy because the medication when I was still on it was bringing me too low. So yeah, anybody on blood pressure medicine, that is definitely something to look out for because you probably need a lower dose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was the the immediate obvious one. And when I'd lost weight in the past, my blood pressure had never come down. So it wasn't just from losing the weight. It was something else going something on. Something with fasting. Yeah. yeah. Another health one. I said I had the surgery for breast cancer. So that was January 2019. When I went back for my checkup, I think it was around 18 months later. So I'd been fasting for a while by then. And the surgeon just wanted to check the scars and everything. She ended up, it was quite embarrassing, actually. I've stood there topless against the wall. She calls all her colleagues in, male and female, saying, look at these scars. Look at these scars. It looks like she's been healing for 10 years, not one and a bit. Look at these scars. And she she sees it day to day. Yeah, exactly. She knew that was different. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised. Literally called in about eight other doctors to stare at my boobs which is and did you tell her that you thought it was fasting yeah yeah she was really really interested actually I mean she's my surgeon is beautiful she could be a model she's like slim as anything and absolutely the most stunning looking woman you've ever seen but she was like I think I'm going to start doing this fasting she said like it just sounds really amazing so yeah so she was really really interested and really open to it that's fab. There's nothing like having a whole room full of people in there, right? I remember when I had fibroids, it was like 2013. The OBGYN was like, can I have some people come in, some students come in? I'm like, sure. And then I look around and there's like, I'm like up Crowd. in the stirrups and there's like <laughs> 10 young guys in there. I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> I know. I know. There I am. <laughs> At least this was all older surgeons, so they yeah, these I were know not. they'd all seen it before, whereas students, they're probably as embarrassed as you were. Probably. <laughs> 
the other sort of health one really like much much better sleep I sleep better than I have in years because I've been wearing a Fitbit for six seven years I know that my resting heart rate's much much lower which is a good thing so I can definitely see loads of health stuff and plus as I say I had that problem with my knee I went to see a, a knee specialist when it happened and I'm on um, sort of, you know, hormone tablets for the breast cancer and I've got to take them for 10 years. And he was like, you're going to have this problem as long as you're on this medication because it's the medication that's causing it. And, you know, we might have to do steroid injections into your knee and you might even have to have surgery and all this. And because it was really painful when I went to see him and within a couple of months, it was fine and touch that's wood. Amazing. It's been about eight months now. And and he was, you know, and obviously I'm still taking the medication that he said would cause the problem for 10 years. So I'm putting that down to autophagy as well, That's because he amazing. seemed to think that there was nothing he could really do to solve it. But I think I think I fixed it. Love it. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? First of all, sort of, I'd say to everybody, I mean, I've cajoled a lot of people into trying this and I always say to them, stick it out for eight weeks, regardless of what happens. So sort of, I know you have your 28 days, but as I say, with me, it took longer than that for me to really get into my groove. So I say to them, like, you know, even it's, if it's difficult, even if you don't think it's working, whatever, stick it for eight weeks, because I promise you by then it will be easy and it will be working and whatever you want it to do, it will be doing it. That's the main thing I think that I wish I'd read up a little bit more and known to expect that really difficult stage, you know, as, as you get fat adapted. Then there was that other thing, as I said earlier, where about there not being a catch. You know, I think people are looking for the catch and looking, saying it can't possibly be that simple. So I want people to know there's no catch. And the other thing is just that the, to me, I always try and stress to people that the feast is as important as the fast. And the fast could be as fun as the feast. I get sad when I see people and they're clearly still dieting, even in their window. You know, they're sort of like, oh, you know, like sort of, oh, I have a window of four hours and I make sure I don't go above 1,100 calories and I do this. And, you know, the feast is important because it you've got to reassure your body it's going to be well fed every day or every other day or however you're doing it. You know, so, you know, when I sit and eat my dinner, nobody's going to ever accuse me of starving myself because, you know, I could eat. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's really important. I think that's what's made it all work well. I think so too. I don't want people to think that they have to still restrict. Yeah. The name of my book is not fast, eat a diet meal, repeat. Exactly. <laughs> it's fast, feast, repeat. And I mean it. And it, it's not fast, eat till you're sick, repeat either. Exactly. You feast in a way that feels good and satisfying. And that's it. And your body will let you know some days I need more than other days. But get to the point where you actually know that you're full and know that you've you've had a good meal you know sort of don't exactly stop so you're always hungry because where's the joy in that that's not the goal <laughs> well sarah it has been so much fun to talk to you today and thank you so much for sharing your story no problem it's been lovely thank you very much for having me do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family. 
where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.